Welcome to Spritz and Scrums, a podcast by three Benetton fans with a love for Aperol and all things Rugby Italiano. In a weekend of fine margin, Benetton fans don't know whether to laugh or cry after their game against Munster. Debre once again outperform all prediction, but are still looking for that elusive win. And the women win it all, but still don't walk away with a trophy. Jump straight in. 80 minuti in 2 minuti. And here we are at the second game of the BK2URC with Benetton hosting Munster. Apparently Benetton haven't beaten Munster for a decade. There's a stat for you. And we start off, and it's a sloppy start, but Benetton are in the dominancy. About nine minutes in, Jacob Umanga slots the first penalty to go 3-0 up, but Joey Carberry then immediately comes back 3-all, only to be met again by Umanga with another penalty, 6-3. The game's a sloppy affair, lots of knock-ons. It's not really a spectacle. But Benetton do look dominant. And then 36 minutes in, a lovely from Benetton means Rhino Smith slips over the line for a try converted. Benetton go in at half-time, 13-3 up. And the second half starts. Lots of substitutions on the Ulster side and not much else going on apart from plenty and plenty of knock-ons. They end up having to put a second row on for a back row, 64 minutes in. And then later on, with 10 minutes to go, they're still leading 13-3. to They have to take off the Kraken himself. Manuel Zuliani comes off and they have to put a centre, Marco Zanon, on in his place. This opens the door for Munster to start playing their rugby with the Benetton pack not quite at full strength. A terrible, terrible decision to give a penalty against Time Stowers for a perfectly legal turnover means that Joey Carberry is able to slot three points. That penalty should have gone the other way, and I'll stand by that till the day I die. And then later on, Munster are on the try line. They're attacking, and they get a try. Oh, wait, no, it's disallowed. But no, it's not over yet. They're back in the same part from a penalty advantage. They get another try. This time it's given. That's at 79 minutes, and it's converted, and they go in. 13-13 at the end of the game. Not my finest work, but I'm on the road and I haven't got my notes with me. It was yeah, very well, good. I mean, I thought that was pretty good, all things considered. And if you do feel like it's not that great, I think that's a reflection of life imitating art there with the Benetton game itself being sloppy and frustrating at times. I'm looking forward to hearing you two talk about it because I messaged coach and he said he was happy with it and then you were desperately unhappy with it. So yeah. I'm just going to sit here and listen to what you guys yeah, think. Let's, let's have a look your response from how you how was the game? What did you think of the game? Was like, yeah, I thought they played well. I thought they did play well. And we're, we're playing Munster. And I thought we did do quite well. Munster are still Munster. And a year ago, if we said that it would be 13 all, I think we wouldn't be upset with that. And that's kind of where my head is at the moment. I kind of think that they did some of the basics quite well. And they played the territory game better than normal. And yeah, I think after especially the World Cup and all the refereeing, kind of wanted to ignore the referee decisions and just accept it for what it was. But I thought overall they did quite well. Minigo still remains a fortress. And I stand by it. Okay. Okay. I, I don't disagree with anything you said. I The only thing I would say, which is probably why we had different opinions at the end of that game, I came away going, 
how have they lost that game? And Eddie was like, they didn't lose that game. Well, they did lose that game. They didn't win that game. And that game was entirely theirs to win. I completely agree with you that they were playing Munster. And so on paper, if you were to look at that, if somebody said to you a week ago, they're going to draw with Munster at home, are you taking that? I'd be like, yes, sure, sign me up. But context is key. And the context was that Munster were shit. It was the worst Munster we're going to see, I think, possibly ever. They just, the amount of errors Munster made and the lack of performance. They showed up in the last 10 minutes. And luckily at that point, Benetton had built up enough of a margin to not entirely lose the game. But it was just really frustrating to see them throw it away. And the only thing that kind of worries me moving forward is that the week before they almost lost the game. Luckily, there was a high tackle that meant that Jacob could win the game. But yeah, I was frustrated because I felt like it was theirs to win and they never... Well, it's it, it's so rare to get an opportunity like that against the best team, the reigning champions of the URC. Yeah, you could see at the end how much Munster were panicking. They really needed to get a draw at least. And they fought well at the end. But yeah, the referee got in the way. I mean, it's just because we're going back to club rugby. I just thought, even though the referee decision was bollocks, even the commentators were like, oh, nonsense. I thought they did quite well. I was kind of not expecting a draw. So I was quite happy with it. And you're right. They've kept it a fortress, which is kind of the most important thing, right? After two games, they're still unbeaten because a draw is essentially a win. It's not it's not a lose, right? Not a loss. But yes, I thought coming some well, something that the, the commentator said in the middle of that game, which I thought was really accurate, was I think we've been a little bit spoiled from the World Cup by seeing that watching club rugby and seeing a lot of still, you know, Benetton is still not playing the full strength team because a lot of them are still away in Paris at the Benetton shop folding clothes and shaking hands they're they're still playing a lot of young people so some of those errors that we just haven't seen in the World Cup the insane number of knock-ons we're just not used to it so it was so stop stop starty stop starty but I would agree with you that something that was very positive was that they were playing rugby in the right sides of the pitch they were getting a lot of penalties and kicking into Monsters 22. They spent a lot of time in Monsters 22, but they didn't come away with a lot from Monsters 22. So on those points, first of all, I think I don't agree with the commentator there because if you watch the Zebre Ospreys game, it was electric, really high standard. Mm. So not all club rugby has to be like that. This was a particularly sloppy game. Two sides. First of all, yes, Benetton had it in the bag to win it in the first half. They look supremely dominant over Munster. But in the second half, they couldn't score a single point. They cocked up four in-outs, at least four, I counted, which were given as not straight, or they were just terrible. They missed penalty kicks to the corner, so they didn't give themselves the opportunities to score in the second half, which they needed to do to see the game out. You talk about them playing in the correct parts of the pitch, but here are some stats for you. So at the end of the game, Munster were singing zombie as if they'd won. The fans felt like they'd won, and that's such a bizarre thing. And it would be them that feel happy and Benetton devastatingly sad that they only drew. And that's because of the way the game plan played out. But territory, Munster had 68% territory to Benetton's 32 And that's because the second half was just Munster kicking to the corner, Benetton stopping them. Munster kicking yeah. to the corner, Benetton stopping them. Munster to the corner... Benetton stopping them. And the tries they got only came where the Benetton scrum was suddenly 
sixes and sevens, which yeah. is a clever play on words because we were missing our six and our seven and had a centre in there and yeah. a second row. I said to Eddie, well, there's only five metre line without giving away a try. And they <laughs> did. They did. They continued. They continued to defend. And Monster kept kicking to, to Benetton's five metre line and kept taking those line outs. And somehow Benetton were just like, their defence was solid, solid, solid. For 70 minutes. Then obviously they had to switch through a load of positions and it was too late. The number of tackles that were made, Benetton made 174 tackles. I repeat that. They made 174 tackles to Munster's 65. <laughs> possession, Munster had 67% of the possession and Benetton had 33%. So if you take that, you take wow. possession 67 to 33, territory 62 tackles made 65 to 174 then you're looking at a different game and you're going bloody hell how did Benetton draw yeah, this yeah yeah no that's that is that's fascinating those stats you would never ever feel of the game have felt like Benetton had 34 35 percent of possession in that game it felt very much as in the first half but even in the second half, it didn't feel that one-sided. I mean, they had to defend a lot, but that's fascinating. No, they put in a great shift, a great shift. I think a special little shout-out should go out to the Kraken, who essentially and was told, strap it up, baby, because you're not coming off. And he did for another five <laughs> minutes, but then eventually he had to come off. But fully blurred man of the match, because if that's not commitment, I don't know what is. Apologies if our audio is a little bit crackly. We are quite literally in the middle of nowhere. We are on Hadrian's Wall. There's We're a... near where that tree was cut down. <laughs> was it? Was it you? What? <laughs> I haven't got the skills. <laughs> you haven't got the chainsaw. But I tell you what, there's nothing here. And so the only thing that people talk about is that tree. Also, I was, we've just come from the pub and at half past five, everyone around us was having dinner. That's the north for you. Well, the clocks yeah. have gone back. So anyway, we have basically no signal. So real apologies if this is all crackly and horrible. There's nothing we can do. We'll be back home next week. But yes, it would have been nice to beat Munster for the first time in a decade, apparently. This is probably the weakest Munster side, especially the way they played. They played pretty badly. So it was there for the taking. You could say that the Benetton side has got lots of internationals coming back. Yes, the Benetton side does have lots of internationals coming back. But so does Munster. And lots of those guys have just won a World Cup. So... <laughs> Uh, one big, another big, big this game was Banneton Scrum. And again, Banneton Scrum with basically, what, 60% of their number one players not there. That front row that came off about 50, 60 minutes in. Special shout out to the three, that front row that stayed on for the first 50 odd, 60 odd minute. Uh, Spagnolo. Lucchesi and Zilocchi. I mean, considering a couple of those are babies, they scrummed like seasoned athletes up there against a monster pack. The scrum was fire. Well done. Well done, Benetton, on that scrum. Yeah. But the Manigo was sold out and yeah. still Benetton are undefeated this season. Didn't it look great? I was shocked it was sold out for such an early game of the season with like, you know, still most of the team as I say, away in Paris, folding shirts. Yeah, sold out stadium. We really need to build that stand, coach. It was packed. It was absolutely packed. And I loved it. Are you getting the money for the stand? I'm working my way through it. I've got the boys working in, in the stores, folding clothes, <laughs> doing the cash registers. Uh, we don't take cardless, though. 
Um, it's all cash. For it's yeah, for tax reasons. I mean, um, yeah, I've said enough. Cash only. Cash only, guys. <laughs> you said too much. Yeah, cash only. Yeah, the guys have done a great job. Um, it's on. The hangers are in the right order from small to large. Did a great bit. They, they've looked, I can now trust them to close up as well. So they've got the keys. Um, yeah, Jacob okay. Munger has got the keys yeah. to the, uh, he can do, and he can also count the cash at the end of the night as well. So we're going to get that stand. I'm I'm pleased that that money's coming in for that stand because they need it. If we're selling out early early season games, and I have heard the last time we were there for the Japan game, Eddie got very upset because the little casita had been well taken down. It looked like it had gone. But I've said on good authority on the Kabe Rugby podcast, Bortolami has assured them that they are building a fine hospitality stand, which we shall sample in a couple of weeks' time. Alongside the actual game, as we've said, being something rather forgettable as a game, as far as games go, something that was not forgettable was that this was Fekatoa's first game for Benetton. And he looked very, very happy. He looked like a man possessed. He put in massive shots, huge effort all over defence. He wanted to make a, make a point. He made yeah. a point. It looked like he'd been at Benetton forever. Bravo. See, and then at the end, he gave a nice little changing room speech saying that, you know, he's really happy to be here and he wants to play for the team and do great things with the team. So I'm very happy with him. I was a bit unsure because everyone was gassing him so hard that I was like, oh, are we going to set ourselves up for disappointment? But I stand pretty much convinced that he's going to be a great thing for Benetton. World Cup winning centre. Exactly what the young centres at Benetton need to show them the ways and let them know the standard that is required to reach the heights. The tricky thing really is that when Brex comes back from folding clothes in Paris and Melancello comes back from injury, that position, they're all going to be fighting in the centres there because you've also got Riera, Drago, etc. There's a lot of competition and we thought someone's going to leave and nobody really left. No, but the competition is a good thing. And also don't forget there's the Six Nations, etc, etc. The competition is good. So welcome, Fagatoa. We're very happy to have you and we hope your Italian lessons go well and you're on a good streak on Duolingo. Speaking of which, Eddie's on a very good streak with Duolingo. He pressures me. And if he doesn't pressure me, Lily pressures me. There's a very nice Arabic lady who doesn't pressure me. She's very supportive, but Lily and Duo, they're tyrants. (laughs) It gets so aggressive. He is relentless. He's always in my emails. Always. Do you have the widget? Eddie has a widget on his phone. And like, as the day goes on, if you do the lesson, he gets angrier and angrier and angrier. It's it's really intense. It's actually like quite a controlling relationship he's in with Duo. Sometimes he looks like the actual devil. (laughs) This is a dystopian nightmare. What are you, Duolingoing coach? I'm not. It's still. It just. It still reminds me that I have Spanish lessons that I need to do. But you're, not, but you're not learning Spanish. No, not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> they owe me money. <laughs> the government, the Spanish government owe him money. Yeah. So if you're listening, Spanish government, give coaches money. Yeah, I've got a stand to build. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, all in all, 13-13, 
all three of us sat in very different camps about how we felt that game sort of went at the end. But I think we were all kind of right in our own way. I was sad. Coach was happy. Eddie was somewhere in the middle. Mm. Pensive. Yeah. Like Munster, they, they've been on a winning streak. or well, they haven't lost. They've been drawing as well. But I thought we did all right. Didn't win. Still though. undefeated. On we go. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Still undefeated. On we go. Which is not something that the Zebra boys can say. They are still very much defeated. I think they're looking at kind of 26 games on the trot. Very much still defeated, but frustratingly showing such great signs of progress. Yeah, smashing expectations. Smashing expectations. Smashing expectations. What did the BKTURC predict to have them down? Aggregate point difference over the first two games? Well, I don't know what they had for Zebra. I know what they had for overall for both the Italian clubs. It was 25 and 28. So they had it as 53 three points down they thought after the first two rounds because they thought in the first round they were going to lose by 28 points in the second round they were going to lose by 25 points so that's 53 points down zebra are seven points down not 53 points down they are smashing expectations they've scored 11 tries in their first two games yeah they've taken two bonus points from each game four try bonus point and a losing bonus point coulda shoulda woulda be Os- the ospreys in swansea didn't go their way but again they look like a really solid side yeah they said ospreys to win by 25 points as we can the final score was ospreys 34 zebra 31 so you tell me bkt urc can, can you beat the elixir predictions yeah we bloody can because your predictions are made of ass oh tough talk, Martin talk. <laughs> <laughs> i would i would say though just to pop the bubble that's how they started last year yes but as we sort of touched on last week and i think it still stands this week i think the big difference is that it's an all-round solid performance they really 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 need better defensive coaching that's what they need but now in attack their scrum their line out their forwards their backs they are all pulling their weight last year it was superb backs carrying them this year, from what we've seen so far, we're only two games in. I may live to regret this, but it feels like it's a really well-rounded attacking team. Well, they have, they've had scrum dominance, and yeah. Fischetti's not even back yet. Paledri's still injured. Marisi hasn't joined them. Yeah. Look, they put in a great shift against the Ospreys. Away from home, it could have been... Well, it could have been exactly what the BKT... URC predictor said with Ospreys winning by 25 points, but shut up, BKT predictor. I'd like to see what you're doing next week because up until now, you're like, okay, you're basing these predictions on last year's games, but now you've got to start taking into account this year's games and hopefully this this tide starts to turn. What I also think turned a little bit this week was the commentators appear to have listened to Eddie from last week's game and they were a lot more balanced. They were, they were. Shane Williams and who was the other guy? Don't know. We'll write his name in the when we post this. Very good. I thought actually they were great commentators, to be honest. And I thought the referee immediately looked like a likable guy. Not sure he got anything right, but he was thoroughly charming. No, and just a lot more balanced. Look, we're not expecting. We understand that like the majority of the people listening to Viaplay or watching Viaplay are going to be home nation fans or English speaking fans. So we do expect, obviously, a slight bias towards the British clubs. 
But what we saw the week before was just straight up bullying. And this week it was a lot more balanced. Yeah. Maybe they'd watched the game before and they were like, you know what? Let's give this team credit because You'd it looks never like know listening started. to it that Shane Williams played 141 caps for the Ospreys. He left that all at the door and did his job as a knowledgeable and charming rugby commentator. A round of applause for you. Zebra's game as well, towards the end, they conceded and they went behind. And that was incredibly frustrating. And it suddenly looked like they might not even get a losing bonus point. But then they came back in the last play of the game, supreme again across all aspects of the game, forwards, backs, put to all together and scored to get the losing bonus point. So unlike the Munster-Benetton game, mm. where it felt like a loss, this one, the losing bonus point, kind of felt like a bit of a win at the end because they clawed it back. They clawed it back. They scored more tries than the Ospreys. I'm telling you, they're looking good. They're looking good. If they keep improving as well, <laughs> it'll be very exciting. Fighting talk there. Um, yes. The, the Zebra, I think, have the potential, but we've been saying this for a long time. They need to break that losing streak. If they don't break that losing streak, we can sit here and talk about it, and our listeners can sit here and listen to it, but it means fuck all until Zebra turn around and start winning a game, and then two games, and then three games. So, who have they got next week? Zebra up against the Bulls. That might be a little bit tricky. Well, yeah. We'll, but... we'll, we'll be there. So. They're going to perform. No, we're there, we're there the week Not after. Not next weekend, the weekend after, yeah. Change your flights, you got it wrong. <laughs> what have you booked for? <laughs> Wait. Is it not next week? No, have you booked next week? What? Wait, what? I'm going on... What What day of the week we are? No, you're confused. You're definitely confused. You can't possibly have booked this the wrong week. What game are you going to see? There isn't it though. <laughs> What date's the game? The game we're going to see. Yeah. We're going to 10 11. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Next weekend is 4 5. Oh, right. Five. No, I, mean, I meant next week. Yeah, yeah. Next yeah. week, next week. This coming oh. weekend, like in a few days' time, um, Zebra playing the Bulls. But at the minute, as it stands, Zebra with uh, four points, so it's as if they've won one, lost one. They're ahead of the Emirates Lions. They're ahead of the Dragons. They're ahead of the Sharks. They're ahead of the Scarlets. Yeah. If they could finish the season there, well, that'd be a, a huge step up. A huge improvement. I mean, the Bulls is going to be tricky. It will be, but there's <laughs> lots of tough games, but they're also at home, so... Yeah, yep, yep, yep. And I don't know if you've noticed, but lots of these South African players have been quite busy recently. Yes, well, that's it, right? We've got a couple of South African games coming up. So, obviously, this weekend, Zebra are playing the Bulls, Benetton are playing the Lions. I expect Benetton to win that, do we not? Yeah, damn straight. So, no excuse, they should win it. And also, South Africans have been a bit busy. Why have South Africans been busy, coach? They won a tournament. South Africa are now... The greatest rugby nation of all time. That's total bollocks, though, isn't it? And we all know it, it. is. I was going to introduce this podcast saying that, and I was like, just writing the intro bit, and Eddie was like, you can't, no, I'm not allowing you to say that. I was like, but that's fact. I can't, you can't change fact. Not taking anything away from them. Guys, it's fact. They've done all right, but they, they've won three games in that World Cup by one point. So they beat England by one point, they beat France by one point, and they beat New Zealand, a 14-man New Zealand side, by one point. 
A win is a win. So, yep. yeah, they're good, but they're not... A fourth World Cup is a fourth... I know, no, trust me. No, they me. get it, they get it, but they're not one of the best sides ever. However, Sia Khaleesi is one of the world's all-time greats and deserves his place in the Hall of Fame. But, no, that South Africa side is not. However, Razzie Rasmus probably is. Yeah, look, I mean, if someone's going to lose to New Zealand, I feel like Africa is a fair winner against them, mainly just for what it does to the entire country. It's so inspiring to see the videos that have come out from South Africa. And as you say, Khaleesi is just a hero amongst us mere mortals. I'm just glad France didn't win. Okay, moving on from his <laughs> no, 200-year-old hate. No, because they, 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 they booed Italy when, you know, that try that was disallowed because of something that happened before and it was full of French people. I think it was, a, I don't know, mm. it's not going in, is it? It's not very accurate. But as soon as they did that, I was like, you know what? I don't, I don't want France to win. No, I feel that. I feel that. I was like, no. Just like, sorry, that reminds me. I know we're going back, but... The end of the Ospreys game when Zebre had come back to claw it a losing bonus point and they were converting, kicking for the conversion. They were being booed by yeah, the Ospreys booed. fans. And then and then jeered. Yeah. Well, in the 80th minute, like missed. the game is over. You guys have won the game. What are you doing? Booing the kicker. Like who are you? Booing is, is booing is just not acceptable. Yeah, it's just not. It's such but, a emotive, non stoic uncontrolled flair of emotion that should not be encouraged that you would never show coach i agree okay so first of all we'd like to congratulate south africa on being the greatest rugby nation of all time for rugby world cups more than any other team ever i can't quite get my head around it because i'm sure like you guys just history is steeped in us believing that new zealand are the greatest well not really actually that's bollocks because they won it once and then they didn't win it for ages. And then they didn't, they won it in the 1987 and then they didn't win it again until 2011. So history steeped in us believing that. No. No. In 2000, by 2003, they'd won it once. 2007, they'd still won it once. You know, it was only in 2011 that they managed to win their second yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and by then, South Africa had already won it. Once. Australia had won it twice, and South Africa had won it twice. So no, no, yeah, no, no, but no, everyone, no. I don't know. Do you guys not think of that All Blacks as the greatest? No, I'm just picking up on. I mean, your they are the most successful sports team ever. But, but they're not. That's no, Eddie Jones as England was just as successful as they ever were. Eddie Jones won 18 games on the trot with England. No, as in history. He realised Australia weren't going <laughs> to let him do that, so he quit. He did the he did the noble thing. He packed up his bags <laughs> and he left with his head held high and dignity intact. So for those who don't know, oh, I mean, Eddie Jones has been sacked. They all know. <laughs> okay. Anyone that doesn't know that Eddie Jones is no longer the head coach of Australia is not listening to our podcast. Anyway, I don't think any of us, in fact, I know that none of us at the beginning of this World Cup had pinned any hope on South Africa winning it. We were all sitting here chatting Ireland. We were all sitting here chatting France. Nobody was chatting South well, Africa. Well, we didn't write them off. They weren't Wales. No, fine. <laughs> it was a great oh. World Cup, though. It was a great World Cup. It was a Those great World and semis Cup. Were and Eddie special. made best friends for life. Yeah. He did. I don't know why I'm still doing this podcast. <laughs> Um, But what I do want to remind us all of, just as a kind of final parenthesis on the brilliance of South Africa, and this occurred to me today, Sia Khaleesi got an injury 
that was meant to keep him out for nine months. This man came back in time. In four months, he recovered to be able to start the pre-match friendlies for South Africa and then go on to win the World Cup again. He is incredible. Yeah, we like him. What's your point? That recovery is insane, guys. Like They said nine months True. recovery and he did it in four and then went I on wouldn't... to walk up. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's going to be president one day. Mm. I really hope so. I actually can Mean, see that happening. Meanwhile, how gutted are you for the Kiwi captain? I just... (laughs) That guy. (laughs) I mean, what do you say to that? Tough. Well, let's not talk about him because hopefully he's getting all the support he needs because that's bloody tough. Yeah. Bloody, bloody tough. Anyway, a brilliant World Cup. The World Cup will be back in four years' time, as we all know, with an expansion. So that's something that they announced in the last week or so, that there'll be 24 teams in the next World Cup. So that'll be really exciting. Um, and actually should mean that Italy have a better chance of exiting the groups because as opposed to going straight into the quarters, there'll be a round of 16. So fingers crossed, we get a good draw and we can get out. Yeah, that's a step forward from World Rugby. Mm-hmm. We've also got the, the new World Rugby League, which is coming in, which is controversial because of the lack of promotion and relegation. But overall, I think on balance, it's actually not a bad thing. And people The are... Nations Cup, I think is what it's called. You sure? Yeah. Whatever it's called. I think it's good on balance because people are saying, oh, well, Georgia, blah, blah, they need promotion and relegation. First things first, they need just more games. They need more fixtures. No one goes out there. No one plays. So if they can play, you know, Samoa, Uruguay, these are these are decent test matches, you know, these can get TV money. These can actually give yeah, them yeah. what they're looking for. So let's have a bit of that first well, let's... and then worry about promotion and relegation. But without this tournament, they're not getting any fixtures. They're getting like one or two charity fixtures a year. But also what we should remember is that some of the best games of this World Cup were from the teams that weren't in the top 10. But I think the diversity will stop big hammering being such a big hammering. No one wants to turn up to watch a game, tune into a game and see... A cricket score. Yeah. They'd be good for yeah. the sport. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, but, agreed. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll so, yeah, it. we'll see. I mean, it's it's this new cup is running alongside sort of it's two every two years. So it'll be in yeah. between the World Cup years. And in 2030, it will introduce the promotion relegation, which I think is a great thing. Yeah. So, and I'm interested to see how it goes. I think it's a step forward. It might not be perfect, but I think it's definitely a step forward. Something we should mention as well is that today was the press conference was held for Zada, who is now the new Italy head coach. He held a press conference today announcing, obviously, basically his intentions for what he plans to do. He was pretty, like, vague, I would say. But one thing that sort of stood out is that he's not taken any of his coaching staff with him. It's just him. Everyone from the old Italy camp is staying. So Marius Goosen, etc. there all be there. Look, he's got good foundations to work on. I'm excited to see what he does. I think he can tighten up Italy's defence. He can tighten up the way they play. He can tighten up where they play on the pitch. So I think, you know, I'm excited to see it and I look forward to seeing it. We'll see it in 2024. Not long. One final thing, alongside all of this rugby excitement, the URC starting up, the World Cup finishing, the women, the Italian women, have just finished in the women's 15-2. Women's 15-2, I guess it's called, Pool 2, down in South Africa. They won all of their games, and yet they did not win their pool trophy. 
which is bittersweet. In fact, I think they've literally said the word bittersweet is what comes to mind because you feel so great that you've won all your games. They smashed the USA last weekend, but they were three points in the points difference from Scotland. And because they don't all play each other, it came down to points difference and yeah. Scotland walked away with it. Three points, not much. But they did well, they definitely could. And it should be a, a really big sort of endorsement for them, a big show of what they can do and what they should be doing moving forward. They, to be honest, at back when we interviewed Sylvia, she was like the aim from the Six Nations was to qualify in the women's 15s pool one or whatever it's called. And they didn't manage that. So they ended up in this pool too. I think this is a stepping stone and they need to step it up now. Well, three points across three games is nothing. So it was very neck and neck. Also, I think it shows that Scottish women's rugby, the contracts they've been handed, they've had a good effect as yeah. well. So that's good. Well, that's very good indeed. What made Coach mad this week? <laughs> keep getting called a prop <laughs> and it's getting to a point where i don't know if we're a super big podcast and we don't know about it but i've been asked about five times in the last week i did you did you play rugby and i go yeah and they go oh were you were you a forward or you're a prop and um it's beginning to affect me if only there was something he could do about it <laughs> if only don't know what that is and that's what made Coach mad this week. <laughs> I need to go to the gym. <laughs> I mean... We'll get you a gym sponsorship. Anyway, that's enough body shaming, Coach. Okay, yeah. No, and there's no shame in... You're in great shape, Coach. You just... Just you fat. Know. As they say in The Crucible, Reverend Hale. No, it's not Reverend Hale. Ooh, who says it? Anyway, these books are heavy. Yes, because they are weighted with authority. And that's you, coach. You are weighted with authority. Right, let's wrap this up. Um, next week, as we said, the South Africans are coming to us. Hopefully they're depleted. Hopefully they've been out on the lash for the last like week. And what will happen is what happened back at the Rainbow Cup final they'll be dead from their lashing. They'll get to Treviso and they'll get to Palm and be like, oh, this food is delicious, this wine is delicious. And they'll forget that they have rugby on. And well, we'll... even if they're not like that, the Italian sides can beat them. We also yeah. had a really nice listener comment on our last episode saying that we should be keeping an eye out for the often flawless Lukin who plays for Zebra. And I was watching him all of last week thinking he's been making some incredible carries. He's on fire. We've got a lot of exciting things coming up. We will see you guys next week. We'll be in Italy the week after. Yeah, yeah. we will. What am I going to do? Because I'm going to be in Rome next yeah, Monday. We'll talk about that off air. He's planned a whole little holiday without us. I think out of spite from all the yeah. weeks that we've been away without feel? him. <laughs> I'm actually quite upset. I'm going to gay crash it. Are you going to go to all no. the Irish bars? Uh, I will, just to make a point. Scholars will get you like that. Scholars will get you like that. Well, not I'm the only rooftops. there for one night and then I'm off to Florence. Oh, do the roof. <gasps> Have you ever been? No. <gasps> You'll have a great time. I will. I'll tell you where to get a great sandwich. Okay. Okay. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week. Grazie a tutti. Rate us five stars, please. Grazie a tutti. Ciao. Ciao. Ciao a tutti.